You're listening to On the Other Hand, bringing you different perspectives for everyday problems. I'm one of your hosts, Julia Meadows. In our third episode, Christopher Levan deconstructs forgiveness, revealing its contradictory nature and our struggles to forgive others. Please note, this episode makes mention of sensitive topics like rape and abuse, though it does not go into detail about them. The Art of Forgiveness The Yes and No of Working a Miracle In the southeast corner of the Cemetery du Père Lachaise in Paris, tucked behind crumbling granite tombstones, you'll find a gothic arch that marks the final resting place of two medieval lovers, Eloise and Abelard. You may know their tragic story. Deeply in love, separated by cruel circumstances and hounded by religious authorities, their nemesis was malicious gossip. Eloise believed her lover was gone. Abelard lost his faith. And it was only at his death that they were reunited in love and forgiveness. <laughs> Sounds a bit like an opera, but it actually happened. What is not widely known any longer is that Abelard, let's call him Peter, was a brilliant thinker and teacher. 700 years before his time, he shaped what is known currently as the best understanding of Jesus and his work here on earth, called the moral influence theory. It suggests that the chief goal of that carpenter from Nazareth was to help people love one another. Blows the right-wing Christian theory of substitutionary atonement right out of the water. But that's theology and you may not have much time for religious God talk. However, it may interest you to know that Peter was also a rebel, always getting into trouble. He was not a friend of church bureaucrats. If it wasn't his illicit relationship with Eloise or his wild pronouncements about Jesus, it was his phenomenal popularity that caused his downfall. He drew people away from traditional thinking and disrupted the status quo and undermined the power of the church. It was just a matter of time before they went after him. In fact, he died in Eloise's arms, so the legend goes, while trying to reach Rome and plead for his life and liberty. And chief among the reasons the church police were after Peter was a book he wrote, Sick at Known, translated Yes and No. Abelard was brilliant, for in this volume he arranged 158 questions to which Christian doctrine had made answer, positions adopted by various ecclesiastical courts and synods of bishops. And he went through the history of Christian thought and pointed out how the wisest and most illustrious of religious luminaries had at one time said yes and at other times no to the very same questions. Talk about a scandal. I'd say move over WikiLeaks, Abelard was there first. He let the cat out of the bag. And no one likes to be embarrassed. And sick at known was a dazzling piece of scholarship and therefore deeply humiliating to theologians and church officials who had until then claimed eternal sanction for their very temporal pronouncements. Peter's point, though, was not to stick it to the system, as modern rebels might put it. As far as we know, he wasn't an anarchist. His purpose was simple. If you want to get at the truth, you need a yes and a no, or what philosophers called dialectical thinking. Now, it may sound counterintuitive, but a good deal of what we call wisdom is actually holding two opposite positions together at the same time, on the one hand and on the other hand. You know, there was method to our madness when we named this blog, I'm not just a pretty face. <laughs> Forgiveness is just one such bit of wisdom. 
Understanding it has been my life's work for 50 years, and the longer I examine and experience forgiveness, the more I know it is not a simple yes or no proposition, but both together. Let me illustrate with a few quick life examples. Your boyfriend breaks up with you on Facebook on Christmas Day. Can you forgive him when he tries to reconnect on New Year's Eve? Romantic love says, well, of course, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. However, the self-esteem might reply, are you kidding? Someone who dumps his girlfriend in public gets no second chances. Or how about this? Your boss tweets that the office will be closed early on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but anyone who wants to keep their job had better show up to, in quotation marks, volunteer on Boxing Day to help the company charity drive. It's unfair, it's coercive, it's corrosive, probably illegal. Do you forgive him and forget it? To keep your Christmas spirit and maybe your job, you, you might bury your anger. Okay, I'll be there, you text. On the other hand, it's not so smart to buckle under to a bully. So perhaps you should write, no way, I won't take it. You see how it is? Forgiveness is tricky business. Yes, no. If I still haven't convinced you, here's a bit of homework. Imagine the last time you were belittled or ignored. Nothing big, just a small slight. Or recall when your personal space was invaded or, heavens forbid, your physical safety was jeopardized. Can you forgive the people who overstepped their bounds? Was it a simple thing to pardon them or did you think that you let them off the hook too early? Did you in the end feel at peace or at odds with yourself? I'll bet you felt mostly conflicted, feeling a yes but saying a no or vice versa. Forgiveness invites us onto a kind of teeter-totter of emotions. And those are the kind of pedestrian injuries. How about the more complex and confounding ones when we touch upon things like sexual abuse, for instance, or parental neglect, or spousal violence? That's why I would begin my examination of the art of forgiveness, and it is an art form, with the affirmation that it is not a one-size-fits-all kind of emotion. It often depends on the circumstances, the depth of the injury which needs pardon, and our own personal spiritual strength. We get closest to it when we say, well, on the one hand, or on the other hand. So let's listen to that. Here goes with the art of forgiveness. On the one hand, forgiveness is a learned behavior which we can control and teach. Somewhere in the internet you can find a website, no doubt, to take you through a self-help forgiveness workshop. And I can imagine it will involve deep breathing and repetition of many expressions of self-worth and self-reliance. Yes, you can make forgiveness happen. Practice it even. Say it with me now. I forgive you. I forgive you. Some preachers might even argue it's a requirement of true faith. It, it is our responsibility as spiritual beings that we pardon those who have hurt us. I mean, it's how does the Lord's Prayer go? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So, so it is possible to practice and to be equipped to do the deed. Like many forms of art, forgiveness just takes determination and regular practice. On the other hand, Forgiveness is beyond us entirely. It's a miracle that happens to us. 
If forgiveness is the sensation that we do not carry the injury with us any longer, that we are not plagued by the shadows that that injury created, then surely this sensation requires time and the mystery of healing, neither of which are in our control. You can't just call up www.forgiveness.org as if it's a website. It's not there on demand. Who can honestly manufacture inner tranquility? Indeed, some might say that trying to make forgiveness happen is the best way to forestall its arrival. You can't force it, no matter how much you might want to. I was fired from a big job once, my dream position as the president of a university. And while I recognize my part in that dismal time, I also know that I was the victim of campus politics. Friends I thought I could trust betrayed me. For years I was ashamed and beaten. And while I tried to find a way to forgive them, I never felt safe, never felt whole or at peace. It was beyond me. The injury was too raw. Then came a day when I woke up and it no longer hurt, not in the same way. I could admit openly I'd failed. I'd been dismissed. It was over. Let it go. I was responsible for my actions and that's all. And the forgiveness of those friends, that came to me, but from some other place. I didn't do it. John Calvin, the reformer, was right when he argued, forgiveness, that's God's work. If you open a self-help book on forgiveness, step one involves some form of letting go, the relinquishment of feelings. Slow down your life, stop running from the pain, face it, breathe deeply, allow the feelings to kind of pour through you and then out and away with them. Let it go. So, on the one hand, it's an exercise in renunciation. This pain is not me, has no power over me. On the other hand, there can be no forgiveness if we do not work strenuously to claim back what is ours. Think of it this way. Most injury, for which pardon is required, involves robbery. Someone takes something from you, your trust, your friendship, your love, your sense of security, your well-being, your family or job. It's a theft. And there can be no forgiveness until that which has been taken is returned to you. Here's a simple example. Let's say someone butts into the line at Starbucks and they take your place. And in so doing, they've robbed you of your sense of, well, how things are supposed to work, of order. And they stole your personal integrity that you're a legitimate customer. Now, there's no way you can forgive them unless they give you back your place, which will involve not just the words, I'm sorry, but also a restoration of the order. They go to the back of the line and you keep your spot. Maybe then, once things have settled and everyone's gotten their caffeine in the right order, you can say, it's okay. If you were to forgive that line jumper, even though they did not apologize, nor gave you back your place, you're not only suppressing your own pain, a fact that you're going to pay for later in warped emotional well-being, you are also allowing injustice to win, which eventually undermines the well-being of all. My point? There can be no forgiveness that is real and lasting if justice is not done. You need to get back what has been taken. So where are we so far? Well, forgiveness is learned, and it's also a miracle. On the one hand, forgiveness is letting go. On the other hand, it's holding on tight. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Forgiveness is all well and good when we're talking about Starbucks and caffeine, but what do we do with a really big issue? 
I was confronted at the back of the church one Sunday after having preached on forgiveness by a woman who said to me, My father raped me when I was a child. Do you really think I can forgive him? I certainly can't forget. My response was simple. No, the whole notion of forgiving and forgetting is ridiculous. Some pain is too great to bear or to bury. Asking someone to forgive a serious crime is simply to add guilt to their already overburdened soul and invite them to suppress their anger and ignore their suffering. They're already damaged, and the weight of having to forgive is just another imposition of added blame and humiliation. On the one hand, forgiveness is one of the most dangerous emotions because it twists us into knots of regret, shame, and guilt. On the other hand, forgiveness is also one of the most powerful emotions, for it proves the adage that love can triumph over evil. Dr. Izzeldin Abuleish, a Palestinian doctor who worked in Israel, came home one night to discover his house had been blasted by an Israeli tank, and three of his children and a niece had been killed in the attack. He actually held one of his daughters in his arms while she died. I can think of no more harrowing experience. And yet, on the night of that horrible event, he went on national television declaring, I will not hate. The death of his children, rather than provoking animosity, has led him to a lifetime of promoting new pathways for peace, reconciliation, and forgiveness between Palestinians and Israelis. Forgiveness is possible even in the most exactingly painful circumstances. Nelson Mandela says, forgiveness liberates the soul, it removes fear. That is why it is such a powerful weapon. Forgiveness. On the one hand, it's as delicate as a summer flower, withering almost before it has had a chance to take hold, as is evidenced in so many bent and broken lives. On the other hand, Forgiveness can triumph over seemingly insurmountable obstacles, and you know it can last for centuries. For on the other hand, this is Christopher Levan. Thank you for listening to this episode of On the Other Hand. Remember to check out our Facebook page and give it a like so that you can be notified of new episodes as well as find our previous ones. We love receiving listener feedback, so don't hesitate to leave a comment with your thoughts. Once again, this was episode 3 of On the Other Hand. Thank you.